This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Man, it is good to see you guys. I'm so excited you chose to be here with us today. If you're brand new to New Life, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and I'll be guiding us through our journey together this morning as we continue on uh, into a time of opening up God's Word and seeing what He has for us. And if you're brand new to the church, you need to know a little backstory about where we've been going. See, uh, for the last seven years, our founding pastor, Ron, and I have been working together and partnering together and dreaming together about what it might look like for us to make a leadership transition where he would stay on staff and and be a teaching pastor and a mentoring pastor and serve in the city and, and really continue to use the gifts that God has called him to use. And I would move into the lead pastor role. And this last week, I moved into that role. And hey, things are going pretty good. We haven't burnt the place down yet. So we're doing well. We're doing well. And Ron had been praying for years, even before he met me, that God would raise up someone younger than him to come and partner after him so that we could see a legacy of this church reaching our community. And I love the way that God works because Ron was praying for someone young. And on Sunday night, I got this cold thing. And all week long, I've sounded like I'm just breaking into puberty. So God has a sense of humor. He's made me sound younger every day since I became the lead pastor. Uh, well, uh, today's going to be a fun day. A couple things to help you on this journey. There is a Connect card inside your program. You're going to want to grab that. You're going to want to fill it out. It will uh, help us help you connect. Connect to this community. Connect to the city. Uh, ultimately, when you're ready, our goal is to help you connect with a God who loves you, who knows you, who has a plan for your life. And we can't connect with you and help you connect with God if we don't have your connection information. So we won't abuse it. We won't misuse it. We simply want to have that so that when you're ready, we can help you connect. And I know if it's your first time, you're taking a big step of faith. And I just want to say thanks. Thanks for stepping out of your comfort zone. Thanks for trying something new. I know there are a hundred things you could be doing this morning, but you chose to come and you chose to be with us. And we think that's an incredible gift. And, and just as a way of saying thank you, before you leave, we have these gifts out in the lobby uh, over to the left when you walk out. They're guest gifts. They're just our way of saying thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here. We want to give you something to bless you because we really appreciate you. So no strings attached, even if you never come back. We just want you to have that. Although I want to tell you, I, I would love it if you came back and you decided to make this part of your regular routine, part of your rhythm. So make sure if you're a guest, you grab that on the way out. Well, I've been thinking and praying about what I would say in these weeks after our transition. And really what, what we decided to talk about was a series that we're calling I Heart My Church. And you've seen folks wearing their shirts around because they heart their church. And, and what this came out of was I was just thinking and praying about all the reasons why I want to invest my life in this community why I want to raise my family in this church, why uh, I think that God is going to use this church to change the spiritual climate of our city. And so I wanted to share with you some of my heart and why I heart my church. And my hope would be that if you've been around New Life for any period of time, as I'm speaking, that it would put words to why you heart your church, why you want to invest your, your life and your family in this community as we love God and we love and serve the people in our city and the surrounding cities. And my hope would be that if you're brand new to New Life, maybe you tried church as a kid and it wasn't for you, and so when you had the chance, you, you got out. Uh, maybe you've never been to church, and this is your first time trying it out. My hope would be that for you, as we go through these next couple of weeks, it would revision for you what church could be. And then at the end of that, you would say, you know what, I'm willing to maybe not invest my whole life, but I'm willing to take a step 
and invest some of my time in exploring what it looks like to walk with God and to know God. And last week we talked about the first reason why I heart my church, which is simply this. We choose not to judge people. We talked about, about dropping our rocks if you were here last week. We choose to be one of the few places in the world where you can come just as you are and you can be loved and cared for in an incredibly radical way because we see our God in the Bible who loves and cares for people and meets them where they are in an incredible way. He doesn't judge. He doesn't condemn. He simply invites them in. And so we've chosen as a community to be a group of people who chooses not to judge and condemn, but simply to love. Because we believe that when we do that, it opens the door for God's love to do a transforming work in people's lives. And that's our goal. Because we believe that rules and regulations cannot change lives, but that God can change lives. So we're a church that drops our rocks so that God can do some life-changing work. And, uh, and this week, this week I'm so excited because the second reason why I heart my church is that we look at things differently than the rest of the world. We live differently. We think differently. We, we look at life differently. And that's actually, I think, a really, really good thing. Because here's the question I want to pose to us this morning. Do you really want to look like everybody else? Do you really want to live like everybody else? When you were a child, did you think, someday I hope that I turn out just like everybody else? My goal in life, mediocrity. I want my marriage to look like everyone else's marriage. I want uh, my kids to look like everyone else's kids. I want my job to look like everybody else's job. I want my, my finances to look like everybody else's finances. My main goal in life is that I would not look any different than anybody else. Of, of course you didn't. None of us has dreams as a child of being average. I hope that I'm just kind of run-of-the-mill. I hope that I never do anything that has any impact. I hope that I never uh, rise above the curve. I hope that I'm just average. None of us thinks that way, and yet, here's the reality. Most people end up just like everybody else. And I started thinking about this theme as I heard a pastor say something that just, it just struck me. And here's what he said. He said, he said, everybody else, and he wasn't talking about us, so there's no need to put your guard up or get defensive because he's talking about everybody else. He doesn't even know you. He doesn't even know you. He said, everybody else wants their life to look like a beer commercial. That's what he wants. Throw it up on the screens. There it is. This is what everybody else wants. Everybody else wants the sun to always be shining. Everybody else wants to always be tan and in good shape. Everybody else wants to, to just gaze into each other's eyes. Everybody else wants their kids swimming over in the corner with a nanny and just coming up to tell <laughs> mom and dad how much they love them. Everybody else doesn't really want to have a real job, but everybody else would really like to have enough money to do that. Everybody else really likes Corona Extra. The problem is, and... And you're smart people. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The problem is everybody else's life doesn't look like a beer commercial. It just, it just doesn't. See, in the, in the world of everybody else, and again, I'm not, I'm not talking about us, so there's no, we can just, ah, please relax. There's no judgment here. I'm just talking about everybody. In the world of everybody else, everybody else doesn't really like their job very much. But everybody else is stuck in a job because they bought a bunch of stuff that they don't really want to impress people they don't really like. They got to pay for it somehow. And so they work in a job that they don't really want to be in every day. And they're just working for the weekend and they can't wait till they retire. And then everybody else retires. They have a few years left. And they think back to the good old days with regret. In the world of everybody else, 
single women are, are terrified that they're never going to get married. And so they troll with their bodies looking for a guy to catch at the club, at the bar. And then they catch a guy and they can't figure out why he always wants to go to the club and to the bar. In the world of everybody else, single guys can't figure out why guys get married when they can get one of the primary benefits of marriage without any of the hassle. Again, this is not us, this is everybody else. In the world of everybody else, wives. Wives, they pray and they, they hope that their husbands will stay faithful all the way through and that they'll stay married and the dad will stick around. In the, in the world of everybody else, husbands look around and say, wow, I don't know if this is the right place for me. In the world of everybody else, teenagers, although they'd never admit it, are, are completely consumed with what other people think about them. Even though they're never going to know these people in another three years. I, I, remember, I remember being a teenager and getting acne and thinking my life was going to end and, and not wanting to go to school. Now I get zits and it's like, hey, I'm still young. That's kind of nice. But in the world of everybody else, teenagers are terrified what everybody thinks and, and they feel like their life ends over things that, that don't have to end it. In the world of everybody else, college students who are graduating are terrified of this question. Well, what are you going to do when you graduate? Because in the world of everybody else, college graduates look out and they see uncertain economy and they don't know what's going to happen and they're terrified they'll never find a job and they'll end up working at Starbucks for the next 20 years. But then there's the beer commercial. And the beer commercial looks pretty good and so we, we really want to be like that, but, but you know as well as I do, that's a highlight reel. That's a 30-second commercial with actors. And, and guess what? Those people, when they finish up, they take off the spray, pa- spray tan and they're take off the makeup, and then they go back to life just like everybody else. So I want to ask you, do you really want to be like everybody else? Do you really want to look like everybody else? And, and the truth is, if we take our cues from everybody else, we just end up looking like everybody else. So in light of all of that, wouldn't it make sense if there's a God who, who is a creator, who created us, and who knows us, if, and I'm just saying if, if there's a God who loves you more than you feel worthy of being loved, and who knows every thought you've ever thought, who knows everything you'll ever do, if there's a God who knows you that well and he loves you that much, wouldn't it make sense that that God would want you to beat the average? Wouldn't it make sense that that God would want you to live above everybody else? Not because everybody else is bad, but because a life of mediocrity is not what you were created for. Wouldn't it make sense if there's a God who truly is a loving God, that he'd want better for your marriage than average, that he'd want better for your kids than average, that he'd want better for your, your vision for your job and your career than, than working for the weekends? And if you open up the Bible, here's what you find out. The God that I, that I just told you about his story is written throughout the pages of the Bible. In fact, in the New Testament, uh, there's a story and there's a teaching that talks just about this topic. And, and it's written by a guy named Paul. And if you're new to this church thing, Paul is a guy who started off hating the church. We talked last week about how certain people would get stoned and they'd throw rocks at them and kill them. Paul would go around pulling Christians out of churches and stoning them to death. That was his vocation. That was his job. And then he encountered God in a very unlikely way, in a very unlikely place, and it changed everything. 
because God's love transformed him. And if you're here today and you're thinking, you know what, I don't know about this whole God thing, I want you to listen to Paul because he was where you are. But he encountered God and God changed his life. And Paul wrote this letter to a group of people in a place called Corinth. And the background of Corinth is that Corinth was a major trade city in the ancient world. And it was morally bankrupt. It was the Vegas of the ancient world. It was known for the temple uh, that worshipped Aphrodite. And here's how you would worship Aphrodite at the temple in Corinth. You would go and you would have sex with one of the 1,000 temple prostitutes. That was worship. Can you imagine? Ladies, can you imagine your husband going off and saying, hey, I'm going to, going to worship. And you said, okay, have fun, you know, use protection. No, this, this, it's so foreign to us. That some of you just freaked out that I said use protection on stage. That's how foreign that idea is. <laughs> and yet that's Corinth. There was a phrase in the ancient world, if you were so morally bankrupt that you were just kind of scum, they said, you're Corinthian, Corinthianizing. That became an adjective to, to explore what it meant to be the worst of the worst, morally bankrupt. So they were known for being morally bankrupt. And the second thing they were known for was they had the second largest athletic competition in the ancient world. There were the Olympics, and then there were the, um, the Isthmus Games. And the Isthmus Games were the second largest uh, uh, competition, athletic competition in the ancient world. And so if you lived in Corinth at the time, you would always see athletes training uh, to be part of these games. And they'd be running around and exercising. You'd see all this. And right in the middle of Corinth, this, this huge trade city that was morally bankrupt and that was known for these games where people would travel all over the ancient world to get there. Right in the middle of that, this guy Paul plants this small church of Jesus followers in this town. But the big issue that these Jesus followers had was they looked at everybody else and they kind of wanted to be like everybody else. And so this is what Paul says to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He says, Do you not know? Remember, they're known for this Olympic-type competition called the Isthmus Games. Do you not know that in a race, all runners run but only one gets the prize. He says, run in such a way that you get the prize. He says, in life, in life, everybody's running. Listen, everyone has a life. Everyone's life will end. Everyone's running a race. Paul says, run differently. It's not enough to be born, live, and die. He says, live differently. And he says, you know those folks who are in the Isthmus Games, they they live differently. They're heads and shoulders above everybody else. They're getting results, Paul's saying to the Corinthian church, that the rest of you only dream of. And part of the reason is, is their DNA, right? Part of the reason these athletes could compete was that they just had a certain type of DNA. It's like Michael Phelps. I like Michael Phelps. Part of the reason Michael Phelps is a great swimmer is he's got those crazy long arms. It's his DNA. He was born with it. Uh, I pride myself on having kind of a Phelpsian frame. You know, I was born with very long arms. You know, I can, I could get up on the podium and I could, you know, I could do this like Phelps does because I've got, I've got long arms like him. When it comes to swimming, Phelps has a leg up on the rest of the swimmers simply because of his long arms, his DNA. And guess what? I, I've got, I would have a leg up because I've got long arms. And yet, I'm not an Olympic gold medalist. I didn't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> Here's why. 
Having the right DNA is only part of becoming an Olympic gold medalist. And in the same way, for those of us who are Jesus followers, when we give our lives to God, when we, when we transfer our trust from ourselves to a God who loves us, here's what God does. He forgives us of our sins. He takes away our sins, and he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And what that does is it transfers God's DNA into us. And it gives us a leg up. Because his Holy Spirit, the DNA of God, gives us uh, the ability to know right and wrong and to do what's right, and he gives us strength. But, but that's only... That's only part of what we need to live the life that God created us to live. It doesn't automatically make us the people that God created us to be. To be sure, when God fills us with his Holy Spirit, that is a huge step. And without his Holy Spirit, we cannot be who God created us to be. But there's more. And this is what he says in verse 25. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. If they win the games, they got a crown, but it wouldn't last. But we do it, Paul says, to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Paul says, my goal in life is not just to survive. My goal in life is not to be average. My goal in life is to achieve all that God created me to achieve. The reason why athletes succeeded in the Isthmus Games, Paul was saying to the Corinthians, and the reasons why Olympians succeed in the Olympics is because they combine their DNA with strict training. DNA and training. See, they live differently than the rest of us live. And because they live differently than the rest of us live, they get different results than the rest of us get. And in the same way, we experience the life that God designed for us to live when we partner God's Holy Spirit that's living inside of us with training ourselves to live differently. We can't sit back and do nothing. We can't say, well, now I'm a Jesus follower. I'm just going to sit back and let God kind of do all the work he's going to do. He says, no, it's a partnership. And in the same way, we can't just go out apart from God and try to live the life that we know is out there that feels just beyond our reach. That's called self-help, and it never really helps. That's why people keep writing self-help books. There's only one Bible. Did you notice that? Because it works. But there's like thousands of self-help books because they only get us so far. Paul says, if you want different results, and he's talking to this little church who's, who kind of wants to look like everybody else. He says, if you want different results, remember that God's Spirit is living in you, giving you the power to be who God called you to be, and combine that with training. And I heart my church because every time we gather together, we explore what it looks like not to look like everybody else. We do it through our times of weekly worship services. Uh, we do it through life groups. And if you're new to life groups, they're just these gatherings of people who meet for 12 weeks to explore what it looks like to follow God. We do it through friendships with other people who are on a similar journey. The thing that I, that I love about new life is every time we gather together, we have the opportunity to think about things differently. We have the opportunity to look at life differently. And I never expect anyone to walk out of here and just take everything I say hook, line, and sinker. But I do expect all of us, because you're incredibly smart people, to walk out of here thinking about it differently, 
asking questions that would ultimately change our life. Every Sunday, I spend, um, I spend hours preparing for this time because, trust me, you don't want me shooting from the hip. I spend hours in prayer, hours pouring over the Bible, seeing what people have said about various Bible verses. And then I come and I, I present my findings to us. And I simply invite us to, to look at things differently. In life groups, those of you who are in life groups, in 12-week sessions, you get together with anywhere from 5 to 20 people and you simply take one aspect of life and you, you look at it differently. You talk about it. You chew on it. You pray together so that we can experience beating the average. I heart my church because as we're in this community together, we form friendships of people who actually genuinely care about each other and, and who call each other and text each other and pray with each other and, and invite each other and challenge each other to look at life differently. But the great thing about it is we don't just stop there as a church. The reason why I want to invest my life in this church uh, is not because there aren't a ton of great churches. There are a ton of great churches, but I, I want to invest my life in this church because we don't stop with just asking you to think differently. We give tools for, for you to live differently. That's why at the end of every teaching, we always give you application points because we believe that information, which is what we're sharing right now, we're having the exchange of ideas, the sharing of information, information plus application, putting it into practice, when it's combined with God's spirit, his DNA living in us, it leads us to a transformed life. We believe that with everything in us. So every week, you'll never leave thinking, well, that was a fun message. I laughed a little bit, but I wonder, what should I do with it? You, you will never think that. You will know what to do with it. I love that about our church. Sometimes people say to me, you know what, Kev? Church is fine. I had someone say this to me just a few weeks ago. He was here visiting for the baptism service, and he said, church is, church is fine, and if I ever decide to go to a church, I'll probably come to your church. Well, hey, that's a great step. I'll, I'll take it. I love that. I want to be the church that when someone says, if I ever decide to go to church, I'd go to your church. I'd try that out. But he said to me, you know what? Some of the best people I know, they experience God in the, at the beach or fishing you know, we're out camping. And listen, you're not going to hear any pushback from me. I love encountering God in nature. I love fishing. I love trout fishing. I love it. I love going to the beach. I grew up in Southern California. That first year when I got my 67 bug, I drove down to the beach like three or four times a week all summer long. I love the beach. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about the beach. Because I've spent hours, I've spent days of my life at the beach. And while I do, I feel like I encounter God at the beach. I see the vastness of God at the beach. And I just, I feel um, very close to God at the beach. Here's what's never happened at the beach. And maybe this has happened to you. If it has, I apologize. But, but in my experience, I've never, I've never been sitting on the beach thinking about, man, I, I wonder how I can be a better husband. And then had a, a crab crawl up to me and say, hey, Kevin, let me tell you how to be a better husband. <laughs> I don't, that's never happened. I, I love trout fishing. I love going to the Sierras and getting into nature and camping in a trailer. I love camping in a trailer. <laughs> and fishing. And I've caught a lot of fish. Most of them are about this size. And here's, you know what's never happened? Because I feel very close to God fishing. I feel very close to God fishing. But you know what's never happened in fishing? I've never been fishing and thinking, God, God, how should I deal with my finances in a way that's honoring to you, that brings freedom in my life, so that I don't run out of money before I run out of month? How, how should I do that? I've never been thinking that and asking God and then reeled in a trout and had him look at me and say, let me tell you. Kevin, let me tell you 
how to deal with your finances. That's just never happened. Has that happened to you? That's never happened to me. So you'll never get any pushback from me about experiencing God in nature. I love experiencing God in nature, but I learn how to live a transformed life in church and in life group. And as I gather with community, I don't, I don't learn how to live a transformed life in nature. It's not because I don't love nature, but, but God gave us the church so that we could think differently about life and so that we could have the tools to be people who live differently so that we could beat the average. Because if there's a God, and I believe there is, and he loves us the way that the Bible says that he does, wouldn't it make sense that he wants us to live differently, to beat the average, to experience the full life that God created us to live, to run in such a way that we're not just boxing at the air aimlessly trying to figure out how to live, but he gave us a plan for how to do it. Imagine what would happen, church, if we just decided to take advantage of the incredible gift that the church is. It's it's, it's right here every week. Listen, we meet every week. What if we just decided to take advantage of it? To come in ready to encounter God to sit down and, and when we open up God's word in the Bible, to not say, well, my experience says this and the Bible says that, so I'm just going to believe my experience. Listen, you can, and you'll probably have an okay life, but if you want better than okay, tr- trust God. He loves you and he knows you better than you know yourself. Imagine what would happen if we began or continued to, because actually we already do this, and this is what I love about you. What if we continued to, to allow God's DNA to infuse us through his Holy Spirit and then partner that with, with learning how to think differently and training ourselves to live differently? It would, it would change our lives. It would change our lives. What if every week we walked out of here and said, you know what? That's got me thinking. And we talked to our housemates about it. And we talked to our kids about it. And we talked to our boyfriend or girlfriend or our spouse about it. And we began to chew on it and pray about it and then live differently. Imagine what it would do to your marriage. It could change your marriage. It could save your marriage. Imagine what it would do to your kids. Your kids would look different. Imagine what it would do to your finances. You'd be the one person on your block who wasn't fronting like they, like they had money. You'd actually have money. It, wouldn't that be nice? be new? Imagine what it could do to your life if, if we simply took advantage of the gift that the church could be. We would look different. Not weird different, not bad different, not like standing on the street corner with a sign different. Not, no, we would look attractive different. We would look inviting different. I'm learning, I'm on this journey, learning how to love people more, like love individual people, just to love you because God's just grown my heart for, for each of you. I just, I love you more and more every day. And for some of you guys, that weirds you out, but I do, I love you, man. I do. I pray for you. My daughter's in kindergarten and a, a, a new student joined their class last week. So I went in and I saw the mom and she was kind of sitting with a daughter by herself and I just went over and introduced myself and started talking to her and inviting her to meet Maddie and to, to sit with us as we read together. And then she was here this last Friday volunteering in the class and we're talking and, and uh, Maddie's kindergarten teacher came up and said, oh, have you met Kevin? She said, yeah, he's like the church welcoming committee. He, he's been so kind and so loving. And it's like, wow. I, it was different than what she'd experienced in the rest of the class. Not bad different, but like inviting different. So as we're talking and, and doing some stuff in class, she said, so what do you do? That's always the question, you know? 
50 years ago, when someone asked the pastor, what do you do? And you said, I'm a pastor. They said, oh, great. Let me give you my kids for a while. Now it's like, oh, what's wrong with you? You know? Come on, Johnny. So I'm a pastor. And she was like, oh, that's cool. What church do you pastor? And we just got this big dialogue about it. I, I'm, I'm going to invite her to come to church. Because it looks different. My family looks different. And I love that. God is just changing us. When we partner his Holy Spirit, his DNA, with with the gift of the church to think differently and be transformed, man, it begins to change things. And, and people will begin to encounter God because of us, and they'll continue to do that. And you know what's going to happen? And I truly believe this. God's going to use this church to change the spiritual climate of our community. And it'll start with your neighbor, and then it'll kind of spread out to your street, and then to your block, maybe into the school. Maybe it'll start with your person at the cubicle right next to you as you live differently and they'll just get to meet Jesus and, and God will change their lives. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to look back in a couple of years and this place is going to be just full of chairs packed out with people and those people are going to be people who five years ago would have said I would have never set foot in a church. But I met, I met Tammy or I met Bill or I met Charlie and they were different and it was inviting and I came and, and now I'm different because God has changed my life. I so excited about that day. And I heart my church because you're doing it today. Oh man, it's so fun. So fun. Do you really want to be like everybody else? No. And there's good news. God created you to be different. He created you to be different. And it starts when you commit your life to Jesus. That whole thing I talked about earlier um, about transferring your, your faith or your trust from yourself and your own abilities and your own life, transferring that over to Jesus, that's, that's called a conversion experience. Where we say to God, you know what, God, I've tried it on my own, and it's, it's not the way that I was created to live. And what God does is through the cross, we talked about this on communion, what God did on the cross was he took the penalty for our sin, and sin are all those things that, that, that hurt you and that hurt the people closest to you and that have separated us from God because God is perfect and sin is imperfection. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took our sin on himself so that we could be forgiven and be free and experience his spirit filling us and his DNA changing us. And if you're here today and you've never made that decision, I want to give you a chance to do that. It's the starting point for this journey, and it is the best decision you'll ever make. So we're going to pray in just a second. And then Jake's going to talk to us about how to apply what we're learning into our lives. But if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, this could be the day that that changes not only your life here, but changes your eternity. And I've been praying for many of us to make that decision today. So would you join me as we pray? First, I want to pray for all of us because we're all on this together. None of us is perfect. None of us has arrived. We're all seeking to follow God and experience the life he called us to live. So I want to pray for all of us right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would continue to infuse us with your DNA as you fill us with your spirit, that you would... Um, that you would show us what it looks like to know your incredible love, to experience your transforming power, to be the men and women who you created us to be. Holy Spirit, would you give us the power to do that and the courage to do it, to step out of our comfort zones and to live differently so that we could get different results? I ask God that you would continue to Guide us to be the church that partners your Holy Spirit with very practical, real, uh, 
thought-changing and life-changing teaching so that we could experience all that you have created us for. And as we continue to pray, as our eyes are closed, if you're here today and you've never made a decision to give your life to Jesus, that is the best decision you could ever make. And I want to tell you something that maybe you've never heard before. Right now, right where you're sitting, God loves you. God could not love you more than he does right now. He knows everything you've ever done and everything you ever will do. He even knows what you're thinking, even as I'm talking. And God loves you with an incredible love. And he's inviting you to enter into a relationship with him, to transfer your trust from yourself and your life and your ability, to transfer it over to Jesus so that you can live the life with him that he always created for you to live, so that you can experience forgiveness of your sins so that you can walk in a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And if you're ready to say yes to God right now, and I believe there are some of us in here who are, you can repeat this simple prayer after me. Just, just whisper it where you're sitting. It's nothing magical. It's simply a prayer of commitment. You can say, say this. Just repeat these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me so much that you left heaven and that you came to earth that you lived a perfect life and that you gave your life on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And today I say yes. Yes, Lord, I want to transfer my trust from me and my life and my ability. I want to transfer my trust to you. So would you come into my life, God, Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk every day from this day forward into eternity? And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.